this week's edition of the Worcester Talking Newspaper, recorded at Colin Chance House on Thursday, March the 2nd. I'm Jenny Tansy, and with me reading the news are... Sue Perry. Sue Ward. Kate Hutman. Duncan Wynne is our engineer standing in, thank you very much. Carol Hartle is working on the administration, and this week's copying team are Bernard and Doreen Potter and Janet Bailey. Thanks to Worcester News for all our information. The headlines this week are Storm Chaos, The Big Cleanup, Nurses' Cars Damaged in Parking Row, Months of Motorway Misery Ahead, Naked Clown Shock, and New Stadium Plan for City. And now I'll read the deaths. Vera Bosworth passed away peacefully at Lawn's Nursing Home on January the 31st, age 95. Funeral services at Worcester Crematorium on March the 3rd at 3.15. Ellen Dinley, known as Ella, passed away peacefully on February the 4th, age 98. Funeral services at St. George's Church, Catholic Church on March the 3rd at 12 noon, followed by interment at Aswood Cemetery. Peter John Greaves passed away peacefully at Worcester Royal Hospital on February the 9th, age 50. The funeral services at Worcester Crematorium on March the 8th at 10 a.m. Philip David Haynes Hall, known as Phil, passed away peacefully at home on February the 6th, aged 74. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on March the 6th at 2.30. Sylvia Ann Hudson, formerly Neil. N-E-E-L, passed away peacefully on February the 8th, aged 83. The funeral service is at Worcester Crematorium on March the 6th at 1pm. Eric Harris Jones passed away suddenly on holiday in the Canary Islands on 8th of January, aged 78. The funeral service is at St Mary's Church, Galford in Malvern on March the 10th at 11am. John Reginald Kenneth Moore passed away peacefully on January the 30th, age 87. The funeral service is at Worcester Crematorium on March the 2nd at 3.15. Brian John Russell <coughs> passed away peacefully on February the 8th, age 66. The funeral service is at Worcester Crematorium on March the 3rd at 1.45. Doris Mabel Digger passed away peacefully on February the 5th, Age 97, the funeral service is at Worcester Crematorium on March the 8th at 2.50. Sorry, I think that's 2.30, that's my writing, I apologise. Margaret Randall, known as Maggie, passed away on February the 8th, aged 82. Funeral service at Hallow Church on March the 6th at 12 noon. Margaret Carpenter, nay Map, passed away suddenly aged 94. Funeral service is at Westley Crematorium on March the 9th, which is near Bristol, BS378RF. Monica Movley passed away on February the 12th, aged 84. Funeral is at Worcester Crematorium on March the 8th at 1pm. Coral Antoinette Hicking of Lansdowne passed away suddenly at Worcester Royal Hospital on 8th of February, aged 83. The funeral service is at St Barnabas Church on March the 7th at 1.30, followed by the internment at Aswood Cemetery. Heather Karen Hirschfield passed away at home on February the 4th, age 53. The funeral service is at Worcester Crematorium on March the 8th at 1.45. 
Richard Weaver, known as Baz, passed away in Cornwall on February the 14th, age 60. The funeral service will take place at Worcester Crematorium on March the 7th at 3.15. Fiera Evans, née Camden, passed away on February the 20th, aged 87. The funeral is at Wire Forest Crematorium in Starport on March the 9th at 10am. Theresa Mary Clare Green of Barbourne passed away on February the 13th, aged 83. The funeral service is at Worcester Crematorium on March the 10th at 11.30. Margaret Ann Harrison passed away peacefully on January the 31st, aged 68. The funeral service is at Worcester Crematorium on March the 9th at 11.30. John Millward, known as Eddie, passed away peacefully in hospital on February the 8th, aged 73. The funeral service is at Worcester Crematorium on March the 9th at 3.15. And now for the thought for the day is Genesis 6, verse 5 to 9. The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on earth had become and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. The Lord was grieved that he had made man on the earth and his heart was filled with pain. So the Lord said, I will wipe mankind whom I have created from the face of the earth, men and animals and creatures that move along the ground and birds of the air, for I am grieved that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked with God. And now I'll pass you over to Sue for our first headline. And this headline is from Friday, February the 24th. And um, it has some quite um, nasty pictures on the front of the paper um, from the storm um, chaos that ensued from Storm Doris, um, which left a path of destruction as it wreaked havoc across Worcester, toppling countless trees, damaging buildings and leaving thousands of homes without power. Winds of up to 65 miles per hour battered the county as the storm, branded a weather bomb by the Met Office, swept in yesterday morning. Winds began to pick up in Worcester from around 10am, blowing a large tree across Seven Terrace, just clipping a van as it crashed to the ground. Luckily the driver escaped uninjured and staff from Worcester City Council were quickly at the scene working to remove the tree. Cars parked at the Pitchcroft car park were left unscathed, but the railings were badly damaged and police shut the road. Police shut Farrier Street opposite Worcester Magistrates Court at around 1pm after the wind ripped solar panels from the roof of Prosonol's Associates Building in Castle Street. Staff at the Financial Advisors watched on CCTV system as debris began to fall from the roof landing on cars parked off Farrier Street. Ed Brecknell, an administrator at the company, said that around five cars were badly damaged by the falling panels, including one which had its windscreen smashed in. We just heard a lot of loud noises, said Mr Brecknell. On Tolladine Road, a fallen tree restricted access for large vehicles near the junction with Sheriff Street, while on St Nicholas Street, the winds blew in a second-floor window above O'Neill's Irish pub. Police cordoned off a section of the pavement while the shards were swept up and the pub remained open. In St John's, shocked shop staff 
could only watch as a hundred-foot redwood tree cracked and toppled over in the grounds of St John's Church. It hit another tree as it fell, but thankfully no one was injured and the church escaped undamaged. Brian Stretch, owner of the Birders store in King Charles Place, was out testing binoculars when the tree collapsed. There was a huge gust of wind and then the trunk began to crack and then it just toppled over, he said. It was frightening. I work here so I know the tree and to see it come down was quite amazing but also sad. Meanwhile, in Earl's Croom near Upton, a 40-foot oak tree crashed into a village hall, destroying part of the roof and causing at least £5,000 worth of damage. Vincent Bush, chairman of the hall near Orchard Close, says it will be out of use for two months, forcing those who use it to meet elsewhere. <coughs> it has caved the roof in on one side, said Mr Bush. Thankfully, there was no one in the building. There could have been people there. Toppled trees caused traffic chaos across the county, with large branches completely blocking roads for hours, leading to long delays. The A449 at Horford, just outside Worcester, was almost completely blocked, while another tree fell across the A443 at Holt Heath near Top Barn. The B4209 Malvern Wells turn at Handy Castle was blocked for hours by a fallen tree and in Pershaw the B4084 was also cut off. John Fraser of Worcestershire County Council's Highways Department said his staff had had a manically busy day receiving well over 250 calls about fallen trees. A team of 60 inspectors and contractors worked tirelessly to clear the county's highways of trees and debris, working from 6am late into the night. The phone has been ringing off the hook, said Mr Fraser. We do deal with them, the storms, but it has been the most significant one we have had for quite a while. And gritters were out on the roads with temperatures predicted to drop overnight. On the railways, London Midland urged passengers not to travel as services were delayed and cancelled by debris on the tracks and around 9,000 homes in Herefordshire and Worcestershire were without power by Storm Doris brought down power lines. The headline for Saturday the 25th of February is actually a follow-on uh, from the article that you've just heard on Doris and it's called the big clean-up. A highways chief has said it was lucky no one was hurt in the county during Storm Doris as a major clean-up operation started. Head of Worcestershire County Council's Highways Department, John Fraser, spoke after teams started removing about 300 trees toppled in the storm which wreaked havoc countrywide. A mother and daughter had a close shave as a tree fell only inches from their home in Worcester. And there is a picture of the fallen tree and it literally is inches from their front door. Yesterday, crews were out across the county sawing felled trees into smaller parts for removal. Among the trees to have been toppled by the storm was a horse chestnut tree, which is believed to be one of the biggest in Worcestershire. Mr Fraser said it was very lucky that no one was seriously hurt. It's a relief that there were no reports of anyone physically injured. 
Thursday was an exceptionally busy day, one of the busiest I can ever remember. I want to thank all staff and contractors for their work. There was ex also excellent cooperation between us, West Mercia Police and Hereford and Worcester Fire and Rescue Service. Nationally, three people died in the storm. A mother was blown into the path of a road sweeper in Swindon. A lorry driver crashed in London and a woman was stuck, struck by debris in Wolverhampton. At the height of the storm, wind speeds reached as high as 65 miles per hour in the county, damaging buildings, forcing roads to be closed for hours and leaving homes without power when live power cables were brought down. Among the incidents crews were called out to were a large tree crashing to the floor in Seven Terrace, just clipping a van as it crashed to the ground, an enormous tree that fell into the A442 in Bridge North, a large tree that blocked a road in Colwall, and another tree that crashed to the floor near Holt Heath. At the height of the storm, the fire surface went out to 64 weather-related emergencies, many involving fallen trees and dangerous structures. Area Commander John Price said, Our crews and officers worked hard to ensure that our local communities were safe and disruption was kept to a minimum. Meanwhile, a woman has described the terrifying moment that a tree crashed to the floor during the storm, stopping only inches from her house. The occupier of the house was at the property with her daughter when the tree fell at 11.30am. The woman, who didn't want to be named, said it was very upsetting. I was here at the time and I was shaken by it. It hasn't come through any of our windows, we were really lucky but now we have to arrange for it to be cleared. Her next door neighbour added, I was going up the stairs when I heard a massive bang and I thought, what was that? Imagine if it had fallen the other way onto the path when children were here. It could have been a lot worse. At the Camp House Inn in Grimley, a, a historic horse chestnut tree also went crashing to the floor and into the River Severn at around 10am. Landlord Jim Wainwright, 72, said, It's very sad. We have been told it was the biggest tree in Worcestershire. It's going to be a big job to clear up. It needs to be a priority. Part of it could get swept away and would crash into Worcestershire, Worcester Bridge within less than 10 hours. Meanwhile, Worcestershire County Council Trading Standards has warned householders to be aware of rogue traders offering to repair any damage caused by Storm Doris. Paul Smith of Trading Standards said, Rogue builders and repairers invariably move into areas following events like this and look to make money by ripping people off. The clear message from us is do not do business with anyone who appears at your door. The headline for Monday, February the 27th, Nurses' cars damaged in parking row. Nurses say they have had their cars damaged and received threatening letters after parking on streets around Worcestershire Royal Hospital. 
They say many staff are no longer being given permits to park at the overcrowded hospital and so are left with little choice but to park on residential streets nearby in Warnden villages. We have reported residents' concerns about staff parking on roads near the hospital, stopping people getting out of their driveways and forcing pedestrians to step into the road. But nurses say they, are no, they have no choice as they are no longer being issued with permits to park at the hospital. And for parents or those working shifts, the alternative of the hospital park and ride service is not always possible. One 46-year-old nurse who lives in Worcester says she has returned to find her car damaged on three occasions. One day I drove around for 20 minutes trying to find a parking place, she said. I parked on a road around the hospital and came back to find a note on my car saying they had taken a photograph and would be reporting me to the DVLA. I have had three flat tyres in six weeks with two large nails and a screw. Worcestershire Acute Hospital Trust, which runs the hospital, says parking is a major challenge and that permit holders are limited to ensure spaces for patients and visitors. But one chemotherapy nurse told the Worcester News the situation is making staff feel undervalued. The 29-year-old from Malvern has even resorted to putting letters through residents' doors offering to rent space on their driveway for £10 a week. The single mother says she was told a week before Christmas that her permit had expired after her car failed to open the barrier. Pretty much all the nurses that I'm speaking to are affected by this, she said. We have no other choice other than parking on roads. We don't want to upset residents. It makes me question my commitment to this trust. I have worked for the trust for five years and it's never been a problem getting a permit. She said park and ride buses only arrive every 30 minutes in the afternoon and that if she works late, she faces waiting for another half an hour as a result. Kelly Withers, who also works at the hospital, said many staff who work 12-hour shifts finishing at 8pm have also had parking permits removed. It feels like a real kick in the teeth. Miss Withers said the last park and ride bus leaves before the nurses on this shift can get out of the hospital. Often we stay later than our shift if busy with poorly patients and we also are required to remove uniforms and get changed back into our normal clothes after our shift, she said. The likelihood of us being stranded at the hospital after a 12-hour shift is a very real one because to catch the last park and ride bus would be pushing it even if you left work on time. Does this then mean I will have to pay for a taxi if I miss that bus just to get to my car after a shift? A spokesman for Worcestershire Acute Hospitals Trust said day staff who work at a single site or live within 1.5 miles of the hospital are not normally entitled to permits. A staff car parking policy is in place to manage the number of staff parking on site and to safeguard spaces for patients and visitors, they said. Staff can appeal against any refusal to use parking facilities. Travel to the Park and Ride facility, which offers 200 free parking spaces at six ways, is available in emergency situations, the spokesman added. Headline for Tuesday, February the 28th, is Months of Motorway Misery Ahead. Roadworks that have been causing misery for drivers on the M5 could continue until June, it has been revealed. 
In an email seen by the Worcester News, a senior employee of Vinci Construction, a contracting upgrading, sorry, a contractor upgrading the M5 into a smart motorway, says the final testing phase of the project on the motorway at Worcester will not begin until June. Highways England, the body which manages the motorway, insists the scheme is on track to be finished this spring, but has refused to give a more precise date. Work on the motorway first began in January 200, sorry, 2016, along the section between Junction 4A for Bromsgrove and 6 for Worcester North, and will eventually see congestion managed using technology. The project, much maligned by drivers, has originally expected to finish in November last year, but has faced setbacks along the way, including substantial structural repairs to drainage, which have pushed the completion date back. Worcester News reader Ed Hogan from Ledbury says he is fed up with the delays. I think they should be working 24 hours a day. I think there should be penalty clauses for not completing on time, he said. Year for work, I'm on a lot of motorways this long stretch on the M5 has been frustrating. The email seen by the Worcester News says that the scope of works changed while contractors were working on the motorway. It says a survey revealed a lot of drains requiring attention or repair as part of the motorway work. It also says delays have occurred due to heavy rain and temperatures of below zero, which have held up the surfacing work. Once complete, the resurfacing work will be followed by a period in which the new smart motorway technology is tested, with Phase 1, which is on Junction 4A to 5, due to start in April, and Phase 2 on Junction 5 to 6 in June. Janice Allen, Project Manager at Highways England, said, We're working hard to complete the scheme as quickly as possible. We remain on course to finish in spring, and we'd like to thank our neighbours and motorists for their patience as the work continues. The roadworks have been the source of misery for many drivers stuck in tailbacks. Concerns have also been raised about a high number of crashes in roadwork areas, with Highways England admitting the number of minor shunts has increased since the work began. A 50 miles per hour speed limit has been in place along the entire length of the roadworks, but Highways England says it's looking at the possibility of having 55 miles an hour or 60 mile limits in some parts to reduce disruption for drivers. And this headline is from um, the Worcester News on Wednesday, March the 1st. Naked clown shock. Who is the woman spotted by stunned dog walker? The last thing you expect to see on a peaceful Sunday morning stroll is a naked white clown. But that is exactly what one shocked woman came across as she walked her dog near South Quay in Worcester. Judith Porter took these bizarre pictures of a woman who, despite the chilly weather, is stalking the city streets wearing what appears to be a white bodysuit, red nose and a curly brown wig. Incredibly, this is not the first time that she has bumped into the naked clown. And it is no laughing matter, as the dog walker admitted the sight disturbed her scenic walk. The identity of the clown remains a mystery at the moment, and it is not known whether it is linked to the killer crown crave, clown craze which swept the UK back in October. 
She said, Sunday morning I was enjoying a nice stroll with my dog Bobby to be completely overcome, shocked even, by the sight of a naked clown. And this isn't the first time I've seen the clown. She appears on the odd Sunday mornings. The sightings disturbed my usual walk along the scenic bridge. The clown, in this instance, walks across the bridge and seemed to be walking to the cathedral, only then to turn around. She seemed to have a vacant expression and said nothing. I wonder if other people have also spotted the clown and why she hasn't been arrested. Other readers have been in touch with the Worcester News to say they have spotted the clown as far back as November. One person said someone seemed to be filming the woman. I saw the clown on November the 13th, 2016, at about 9am, being filmed crossing the bridge. Not what I was expecting when I was out walking the dog. Just looked like a stunt for shock effect. Do you know the clown's true identity? Could you contact cp at worcesternews.co.uk or call 01905 742255? This headline is from Thursday the 2nd of March and it's the new stadium plan for City. New look plans for a new football ground in Worcester can today be revealed with the decision over bringing City back home due as soon as May. A revised planning application for a new Worcester City FC stadium at Perdiswell Park has been submitted to Council Chiefs with the opinion-splitting development moved further away from the canal. New images show how the 4,400 capacity site could look, with modelling revealing where it would sit in relation to the recently revamped Perdiswell Leisure Centre. The ground has been moved 51 metres north, further away from the Birmingham to Worcester Canal, after heritage experts raised concerns about the impact on the conservation area. The appearance of the stadium has also been redesigned to closely match the appearance of the leisure centre, with brickwork on its lower walls and striking aluminium cladding featuring colours ranging from white to light blue. It will have a 15 metre high floodlit columns and a separate 3G all-weather pitch with extra landscaping around it to limit the impact on the rest of the park off Bilford Road. The club's supporters trust, which has fought a long battle to get it to this stage, says it's relieved. The club has been in exile since leaving St George's Lane in 2013 and is currently playing home fixtures at Bromsgrove. The original application was drawn up back in April 2014 but has been dogged with difficulties with the council swamped with more than 1,400 public comments. Rob Crean from the Trust said, A lot of work has gone into it. We're relieved because it's been a very long process, but we are still at stage one in the journey to get the club back to Worcester. Trust Director Richard Widdison said, There is a three-week consultation where we need every City fan or anyone who has an interest in the club to make their views known once again. We think it's going to be a huge benefit to Worcester. 
The final planning application includes just 82 parking spaces, despite club officials estimating 823 fans will attend matches on average. But the proposal includes the use of some of the leisure centre's 415 spaces on match days. It also emerged yesterday that talks have been held over allowing the Heart of Worcestershire College and Tudor Grange Academy to use the 3D all-weather pitch alongside the wider community. Worcester City Council has now launched a fresh 21-day consultation on the revisions, which started last night. If planning officers can process the feedback in time and come to a recommendation, it could be voted on by councillors in May or June. The authority has released a statement insisting detailed consideration will be given to every comment submitted. And now some other stories that you may find interesting. The base of Eastern Bridge was replaced over the weekend with the big project to rebuild it finally nearing completion. The river bridge shockingly collapsed in May last year right in front of a school bus and in recent months work has been going on to restore the route back. On Saturday builders had to brave howling winds and rain to get the steel beams in place. Frustrated drivers have had to put up with a detour of 10 miles ever since the Grade 2 listed crossing gave way, but the new look bridge is now expected to reopen to traffic in about two months' time. Councillor Marcus Hart, the County Council's Cabinet member with the responsibility for highways, said they were relieved to get the steelworks in place successfully. I am delighted that despite the weather, from the last few days we were able to get the steel beams lifted into place, he said. Any adverse weather that would have prevented this would have potentially caused delay, which we obviously did not want. Head of Highways John Fraser said, It's a 10 mile detour with the bridge being down, so we're keen to get the bridge connected as quickly as possible. The 18th century bridge near Tenbury Wells was found to have collapsed last year because of fast flowing water. At the time of the incident, a quick-thinking bus driver managed to reverse off the bridge and escape a serious accident by seconds as the structure crumbled into the river. The bridge is on target to be fully complete in the summer but will open under traffic management in the spring while the final touches are being added. The beams were lowered into position by a 500-tonne crane. Drivers were forced to follow a diversion route via the B4202 and A456 whilst the steel work was being done, with the A443 closed on Friday at 7pm until 6am today. That was on Monday. Uh, the overall length of the bridge will be 33 metres, the weight will be 84 tonnes, equivalent to 15 mature male African elephants. A Cornwall woman who is visually impaired has set up a new holiday company offering guided holiday, sorry, walking holidays in the Malvern Hills for the blind and partially sighted. Dee Jones has set up Sense Adventures aimed at offering the kind of holiday she had been looking for but could not find. Small group weekend break walking. Going to restaurants and enjoying the countryside with like-minded people. 
Now she's looking for sighted people to act as guides for her holiday clients. While there are tour companies who will on request accompany people who are blind or visually impaired, there is little out there for care for Kate, sorry, little out there that caters for us specifically, she said. It's a source of frustration that I must be reliant on someone else accompanying me, and I cannot be the free-spirited traveller that I long to be. Sense Adventures gives back that sense of freedom, and blind and partially sighted adults who want to enjoy time in the countryside can do so without needing to rely on friends and family. But we can't operate without guides, and Sense Adventures offers a fabulous opportunity for enthusiastic walkers who want to explore our beautiful Malvern Hills, gain a new and vulnerable experience, enjoy our wonderful countryside, and take their own interest to new heights by sharing it with others. Mrs Jones was brought up in London and trained and worked as a chartered accountant and financial analyst. She moved to the Malvern area 30 years ago with her young family and fell in love with the hills, exploring them with her three children. She was diagnosed with rod and cone dystrophy 13 years ago and her sight is continuing to, to deteriorate. She attended the Royal National College for the Blind in Hereford, where she trained as a massage therapist and also has a successful business working from home, offering a range of therapies. A teenager has been arrested after a stolen car crashed into a pedestrian crossing at a busy junction in the centre of Worcester. Police were called to the crash at the junction of City Walls Road and Lowesmore at 11.20am yesterday. That was Tuesday, um, 28th of February. Part of the pedestrian crossing at the junction was damaged and was left leaning at an angle, whilst an abandoned silver Volkswagen Borer that had been abandoned at the scene was recovered. Fortunately, no one was injured, but the owner of the stolen car... Linda Davidson says it will be a write-off. She said she returned to her home in Tewkesbury on a break from her job as a traffic management operative to find the car had disappeared from her driveway. The 22-year-old called police straight away but found out from a friend that the car had been involved in a crash in Worcester. She had only had the car two months after paying £1,000 for it. She said... I think the car's going to be a write-off. There was oil leaking everywhere. I don't think I want to drive it now anyway. You work hard for your money and then someone takes it away so quickly. I'm very angry and upset. Reports suggest police cars headed off in pursuit of a driver and passenger as they fled on foot following the crash. The silver VW Bora TDI suffered damage to the driver's side and bumper. A spokesman for West Mercia Police said, Nobody was injured as a result of this incident, but our inquiries are ongoing. Although Worcestershire County Council had received no calls about the damage, a spokesman said a highways inspector would assess the damage. A witness who declined to be named said, I heard skidding and a loud bang. I looked up and went to the door. I could see two people had got out of the car and had run down Lowesmore. They got out of the car very fast and legged it. They just bolted. A marked and an unmarked police car carried on in pursuit after the crash. 
He believes two men turned down an alleyway halfway along Lowsmore, where the police still in their cars couldn't follow. Anyone with any information is asked to contact the police on 101, quoting the incident reference 228S, 28 February. A 17-year-old male from Worcester has now been arrested on suspicion of aggravating, aggravated taking of a motor vehicle, failing to stop, dangerous driving, driving otherwise that in accordance with a driving licence and driving without insurance. More about the clown, um, the naked clown. This is, article is called The Clown Unmasked. The identity of the naked white clown wandering around Worcester on Sunday morning has been revealed. Sightings of the woman wearing white body paint, a red nose, brunette wig and a vacant expression near South Quay have been baffling people in this city. But it has now been revealed that the clown is in fact a performance artist. The artist is investigating notions of object white and its removal in its aims to contest and re-establish on a personal level and universal status of white. Traditional paintings, i.e. the implementation of God, according to a blog post which has since been deleted. I'm not sure I understood that, but anyway, that's what it says. Since last year, the woman has been spotted wandering along the riverbanks in Worcester and even being filmed on camera. But Judith Porter failed to see the funny side of the clowning about when she bumped into the clown while walking her pet dog Bobby on Sunday. She said, the sightings disturbed my usual walk along the scenic bridge in Worcester. Our story has been shared nationwide with many commenters sticking up for the woman and others pointing out she must be very cold. On Facebook, Danielle Jones wrote, Oh no, there's a naked clown on the loose, strolling along, not causing trouble. Lots of exclamation marks. Seriously, people are so fickle these days and so easily offended. Lots more exclamation marks. Teresa O'Sullivan wrote, It's no big deal. Why can't she walk around in a bodysuit and a red nose? If she was in New York, no one would take a blind bit of notice, or even London. It's no big deal. More exclamation marks. Joel commented online on our online story, She looks great. I think it's fantastic, a fantastic thing. A person can stroll out with confidence, promoting normal, healthy body, Great stuff. The hunt is on for Worcestershire's most beautiful babies and cutest toddlers. The popular Worcester News Baby of the Year competition is back for another year. Each year, hundreds of people put forward their gorgeous little ones. This time, could your bundle of joy be our winner? Entering the competition is free and easy to do. Just pop along to Crowngate Shopping Centre in Worcester and see our official photographer who will be there from today, Monday, February the 27th, until Saturday, March the 4th. The pictures will then appear in full colour supplement in the Worcester News and readers will be able to vote for their favourites in three categories. 0-9 months, 10-18 to months and 19-36 to months. 
Last year's competition saw almost 7,000 votes cast for more than 200 babies, with Sophie Stanya from Pinvin near Pershaw taking the overall title and the 19 to 36 mo- in the 19 to 36 month category. Max Brooks from Sherrard's Green Road in Malvern was the winner in the 10 to 18 months category, and Alexandra Elivold from St Peter's in Worcester won the 0 to 9 months category. Sophia's mother, Bethany Moss, says the Baby of the Year experience was fantastic. It was lovely because the people at her preschool all saw her in the paper and congratulated her. I definitely urge other parents to take part. We never expected to win. Sarah Bevan, Promotions Manager of the Worcester News, said, We are very excited to once again be running our very popular Baby of the Year competition in conjunction with Crown Great Gate Shopping Centre and Fraser Portraits. We're looking forward to meeting some of our youngest readers and finding out who will be crowned our Baby of the Year. Worcester could get a new bridge across the River Severn in an exciting bid to ease congestion and get more people walking. Worcester City Council has agreed a £150,000 feasibility study into creating a footbridge linking Gulliver Park to Keepax Country Park. The ambitious idea, which is likely to cost more than £2 million, would open up northern Worcester like never before for walkers and cyclists. Ever since the Diglis Bridge opened in 2010, it has transformed the way many people travel in South Worcester, leaving City Council chiefs stunned at its success. More than 465,000 annual trips are made across Diglis Bridge, more than 10 times the original forecast, boosting the environment and helping people explore more of Worcester on foot. Now the same thing could happen in North Worcester, with £150,000, a first financial commitment towards making the link between Gulliver's Park and the field, popular with dog walkers by Hallow Recycling Centre. The City Council's conservation group said it would have major benefits for tourists, students, commuters and pedestrians and help give cyclists another shot in the arm. Tory leader Mark Bayliss said... We think Diglis Bridge has been a great success story and want to do the same in another part of the city. This £150,000 will help turn an idea into a plan. It will have real benefits for Worcester and will help open areas like Keepax Country Park, an unadopted former 1960s household waste site which has lain idle for some time. Green councillor Louis Stephen said... What's so exciting about this is we talk about city congestion, but this is something to actually help. The £150,000 has been approved as part of the 2017-18 budget, despite the Labour administration having some initial concern. Labour leader Adrian Gregson said, It's important, but only one aspect of the transport strategy for Worcester. We wanted to put money into the whole transport strategy for the city. The feasibility study will firm up the exact details. A soldier proposed to his girlfriend in front of more than 8,000 people at a packed rugby match. Freddie Hobbs got down on one knee and asked Jess Vernals to marry him at half-time in the Worcester Warriors match against Exeter Chiefs on Saturday, February the 19th. 
soldiers from 104 Regiment Royal Artillery, Mersion Regiment and 11th Signal and West Midlands Brigade were at the event as part of the military match day at Six Ways Stadium. And Mr Hobbs's story had a happy ending with Miss Vernal saying yes as he popped the question. The Mersion Regiment's mascot, a ram called Private Derby, also attended along with army equipment and a military band. Here's another story about a car crash, but this one involved an £85,000 Morgan crashing into a wall. An £85,000 Morgan sports car has been written off after crashing through a wall and into a shocked family's camper van. The dramatic crash happened in Madrasfield Road, Malvern, at about 8.45am on Wednesday morning, and this was reported on Thursday the 2nd of March. The car, a stunning Aero 8, thought to have been on a test drive from their nearby Morgan factory, ploughed through a wall and into the camper van owned by shocked resident Will Jones with a large bang. Mr Jones, 44, had been planning on taking his family on holiday in the camper van later this month, but says he will probably have to scrap the trip after the crash. Morgan has confirmed the Aero 8, which has a starting price of £85,000, was from, was from the factory and that an investigation is underway. Mr Jones said, The insurance people think the camper van is a write-off. It in brackets the Morgan, hammered into the van. Pieces of stone from the wall were thrown about three metres. It would have gone into our house if the van wasn't there. We were going on holiday in three weeks' time in the camper van. We were planning to go to Hadrian's Wall. My daughter is home educated and it was a history trip, but I don't know what we'll do now. Mr Jones, a graphic designer, says he does not know how much it will cost to rebuild the wall outside his house. He said the van cost £16,500 when he and his wife bought it three years ago. They were also planning on taking their seven-year-old daughter to Rome in the van later this year on another history trip. My wife and I are both self-employed and holidays are a big deal. We saved up for two years to buy our van and now it's ruined. I'm a bit annoyed, he said. Mr Jones said he believed the Morgan was a complete write-off after the crash. The flex in the bodywork has taken the top of the roof away from the front of the windscreen, he said. He also says that while he was cleaning up the wreckage, an, a vehicle bombed past him at 50 mile an hour. It's a 30 mile an hour road. I'm really angry with this road. Every time I come out, I see someone speeding, he said. I wrote to Harriet Baldwin, MP for West Worcestershire in February and rang the office today. I want to see some road slowing measures put in place, speed bumps or even a speed camera. I don't care. Make people think twice about seeing this long straight of road flooring it and potentially killing someone. Janet Jones, 53, who lives next door, said, I woke up and heard a large bang. I thought it was the postman and jumped out of bed. And by the time I got outside, the driver was out. 
He wasn't hurt, he looked quite in shock and the airbags had blown. My thought was I'm thankful no one was hurt walking down the road as it's so busy. A spokesman for Morgan said they were aware of the incident and carrying out an internal investigation. They could not confirm what happened to the car or whether it was on a test drive. A new name for New Road. Clubbing Ground Sponsorship Talks. Worcestershire's iconic ground could be about to change its name, according to Chief Executive Officer Tom Scott. The county has spoken to a couple of people about the possibility of selling the naming rights for their new road headquarters. Scott believes in the county's base believes the county's base would be an ideal location for a company seeking worldwide exposure but he stressed New Road would remain part of any new name should a deal be struck with a sponsor. Scott previously revealed the county's ambition is to become debt-free by 2020 so they, they can invest more into the playing side and develop the New Road side of the ground. We are looking into the possibility of selling ground naming rights for New Road, said Scott. We have spoken to a couple of people and I see it as a commercial, commercially excellent opportunity for big businesses of Worcester and further afield. Worcestershire are among only a handful of first-class counties in England and Wales who have resisted selling the naming rights to their ground. In Division 1, the headquarters of Middlesex, Warwickshire and Yorkshire are still known by their traditional names of Lords, Edgebaston and Headingley, respectively. Northamptonshire's base in Division 2 remains the county ground, with Nottinghamshire's home, home known as Trent Bridge. But most of the other clubs have agreed commercial deals which have given some grounds an unfamiliar ring. Essex's Chelmsford headquarters is officially called the Cloud FM Country County Ground and Somerset play at the Cooper Associates County Ground. The Brightside ground is the home of Gloucestershire and Leicestershire's base is the Fisher County ground. Scott said New Road is an iconic venue and with our plans for the future, an association with the club could be highly beneficial. Other counties have done it and with no or little impact on the name of the ground and New Road will always remain in the name. He continued, I think the onus is on me to ensure the business element of the club is sound and we try our hardest to make a profit which will reflect the club's development. Our main objective, in addition to first-class cricket, is to produce top-quality events and commercial opportunities that will enable Worcestershire businesses to engage with us with regard to their requirements. In addition, to increase revenue, this will allow the people of our county to appreciate what an amazing and iconic venue we have at New Road. Last March, outgoing Chief Executive David Leatherdale said new retractable floodlights costing between £1.5 million and £2 million were on the radar for Worcestershire. He feared the county could otherwise be cut adrift in the 2020 competition. Football legends revealed the good, the bad and the ugly of the halcyon European Cup winning years of Liverpool Football Club to a packed house. European Cup winners Terry McDermott, Anna, Anna, sorry, Alan Kennedy and Jimmy Case had the audience in stitches as they regaled tales from the glory days in Worcester on Friday. 
the three ex-footballers took to the stage at Worcestershire County Cricket Club as part of the Euro Winners Tour. Organiser Nick Tanner, himself a former Liverpool player, said the legendary trio enjoyed their night, where they signed memorabilia for fans before taking to the stage for a chat and questions. He said, it was a fantastic night. Worcester gave the legends a great reception and the lads thoroughly enjoyed themselves. The audience asked some really good questions to keep the lads on their toes. We had a great night and I hope to bring some legends back to Worcester in the future. The night was held in conjunction with the Brewers Arm pub in St John's, which hit the headlines last year after customer Paul Grange was thrown out and banned for wearing a T-shirt which slurred Hillsborough victims. He added, We were made to feel welcome by everyone at the cricket club, Mark and Debbie from the Brewers and Worcester Liverpool Supporters Club. Highlights of the night included McDermott revealing his pre-match meal when staying at Alan Kennedy's mother's at a Newcastle player was soup, followed by a full roast and an apple pie, only three hours before kick-off. Case told how an early rejection as a youngster made him determined to complete his electrician apprenticeship even after signing for Liverpool. The hard man then went on to more familiar territory, describing a late-night hotel bust-up with Ray Kennedy. And Alan Kennedy brought the house down when he regaled how he didn't realise manager Joe Fagan had asked him to take a penalty in the shootout of the 1984 European Cup final versus Roma. He went on to secure the winning kick. A raffle and auction was also held for the city's St Richard's Hospice, which raised more than £1,000. This is another um, sports story with the headline, Pull Your Finger Out. Worcester City captain Danny Jackman insists the players cannot afford to feel sorry for themselves. Captain Danny Jackman has urged his teammates to pull their finger out and demand more from each other in a bid to stop Worcester City's downward spiral. Third from bottom, City extended their winless run to 14 matches on Saturday with a demoralising 2-0 defeat at rock-bottom Altrincham. Jackman admitted the changing room was very flat after an awful performance against a side who had not won since October. However, the 34-year-old, who is assisting caretaker boss John Snape, insists that City's players can't afford to feel sorry for themselves and have got to be prepared to take the initiative in matches to turn their form around. We need to start fighting for each other a little more and upsetting each other if things aren't going well, said the Worcester-born midfielder. We need to tell each other and not to take it personally as we will as we will be doing it for the good of the team. We have got some young lads out there, but we have also got a bit of experience, so we all need to demand more from each other and take the initiative ourselves rather than waiting for somebody else to do it. Worcester arrived at Moss Lane with a good chance of securing their first league win since November the 12th and climbing out of the drop zone. But they fell behind after just nine minutes with Elliot Newby opening the scoring before Chris Lynch volleyed in a second on 12 minutes. To concede from the very first kick-off was amateurish and set the standard for the whole game, Jackman said. 
You can't start the game like that and expect to compete against a side like Artringham, who, scrap, who were scrapping for their lives. We had a go in the second half as we got into some good positions, but the keeper didn't have to make a save. If you want to try and stay out of trouble at this level, you are going to need to score goals, and at the minute we're not. We are creating bits and pieces, but we were awful. It was really flat in the changing room, as we were really disappointed and angry with each other. Jackman, who has made 19 appearances this term, recently returned to the side after a back injury ruled him out for almost two months. And the former Northampton Town and Gillingham player is determined to help his home club avoid the drop. City, who are two points adrift of safety, place playoff chasing Darlington at Bromsgrove's Victoria Ground on Saturday at 3pm. I have been out for a while, so I have been watching the downward spiral, and once that happens it is really hard to stop, he said. Losing becomes a bit of a habit, so we need to try to break that any way we can and get some points on the board as quickly as possible. We've got some really tough games coming up, so we are going to have to pull our finger out and not feel sorry for ourselves. We need everyone pulling in the right direction, attitude has got to be spot on, body language has got to be better and only we can put it right. We will get there ourselves organised in the week and get the lads back up again as we have got another tough game against Darlington. This article is called So Thankful for Big Day. A couple will raise funds for a life-saving service which has helped them reach a golden celebration today. Henry Rodenhurst said he owes his life to the Midlands Air Ambulance after medics resuscitated him after her horror fall at his farm in 2012. Now Mr Rodenhurst, aged 74, and wife Angela, 69, will raise funds for the vital service when they celebrate their golden wedding today. And today is Saturday, February the 25th. Mr Rodenhurst recalled how he fell 18 foot off the back of a silage pit at his farm and landed head first on some railway irons. Mr Rodenhurst, who is now retired, said the air ambulance saved my life. They picked me up out of the yard and resuscitated me. My wife couldn't believe that I'd come back to life. I can't remember anything after falling. The next thing I know, I woke up in Worcester Hospital. It happened so quickly, it was shocking waking up in the hospital. They said I was out for the count and I was in lots of pain. The couple are putting on a free bar for family and friends at the Speed the Plough in Tiberton near Worcester and guests are being invited to donate to the charity at the bar. Their daughter, Tracy Williams, who's the landlady of the pub, said she had bought 25 kegs of alcohol for the event and installed special wedding anniversary clips on the pumps. Miss Williams, 80, uh, sorry, 43, said, Air Ambulance is a charity that's close to all our hearts as they saved my dad when he fell off the silage pit, so we can't thank them enough. They didn't want a party and then we said, well, why don't we do something for the Air Ambulance, Miss Williams said. 
They're ready for a good night. We hope everyone will dig deep and we hope to raise as much cash as we can get. The couple also have a son, Ian. Mr. Rodenhurst said his wife was brilliant after the accident and they had enjoyed their 50 years together. I met her when I went to fix the brakes on a chap's motor and she was one of his relatives. I can't remember what I said but we got on like a house on fire and 12 weeks later we decided to get married. Residents at a care home in Worcester were joined by school children to mark World Read Aloud Day. Perry Manor Care Home invited pupils from Lippard Grange Primary School to enjoy a day of literature and literature-based activities. The pupils from Key Stage 1 read to residents at the home in Charles Hastings Way and took part in interactive reading sessions. Home manager Catherine Matthews said it may come as a surprise to many just how beneficial reading aloud can be for older people, particularly those with dementia. We had a brilliant day of storytelling. The residents really enjoyed being read to and shared their own stories with the younger generation. The residents also had a screening of a short film featuring international storyteller laureate Taffy Thomas about the benefits of reading aloud to older people. Best-selling artist Billy Ocean is the first name to be announced for the second Concert of Legends at Worcestershire County Cricket Club. The Love Really Hurts Without You singer will perform on the stage at the New Road Ground in Worcester when the Concert of Legends returns on Saturday, September 9th. SE Entertainments and Worcestershire County Cricket Club say they are proud to be bringing the concert back to the city after a hugely successful first outing last year. They promise an even bigger lineup of stars after UB40 headlined the 2016 concert, which also featured Lulu and Heather Small of M People. The organisers say they are delighted to announce Billy Ocean, a worldwide star who has sold more than 30 million records in his lifetime as the first name for this year's bill. He has collected a pile of gold and platinum records across the world and hit the number one spot worldwide in top charts in countries including the USA, Australia, Germany, Holland and the UK. Born in Trinidad, Ocean settled in London's East End when he was just seven years old. He got his first break when he signed to GTO Records, for whom his second single was the Motownish Love Really Hurts Without You, which reached number two in the UK charts and number 12 in the US. His other hits include Lover Boy, Suddenly, and the now classic Get Out of My Dreams, Get Into My Car. Despite wet weather, thousands of people packed into the cricket ground for the first concert of Legends last year. The newly announced second instalment is not the only high-profile concert taking place at the venue this year. X-Factor runner-up Ollie Murs, now a hugely successful pop star in his own right, will be performing an open-air concert at the cricket ground on Sunday, June the 25th. Tickets for the 2017 instalment of the Concert of Legends go on sale at 9am today, which was uh, February the 28th, which was Tuesday. Early bird tickets are on sale at £35 plus booking fee for a very limited time. For more information, visit 
www.wccc.co.uk An exciting revamp of Worcester's commandery has passed another hurdle after securing planning permission. Worcester City Council's planning committee has voted through a package of improvements to the Grade 1 listed building. The decision means bosses can plough ahead with their ongoing 500000 plus investment which is aimed at making the site a firm magnet for US tourists. As the Worcester News first revealed last year, the venue at Sidbury, where Royalist troops were stationed at the Battle of Worcester in 1651, is receiving a big cash injection to make it a genuine rival to the National Civil War Centre in Newark. Some aspects of the work, including the relocation of a set of gates and careful refurbishment to the fabric of the building, required formal approval from the City's Planning Committee. A council report on it called the work Responsible Stewardship of this Important Grade 1 Listed Building and praised the wider overhaul as very detailed. The committee voted it through unanimously within a matter of minutes, giving it a fitting endorsement. Alan Coleman, a senior planning officer, speaking at the meeting said, There's internal work to do inside the building and branding work to do to make it a much more user-friendly interactive experience. But for the reasons set out in the report, we are recommending this for refusal. The revamp includes a series of linked displays telling the story of Worcester's part in the English Civil War and how the city shaped world democracy. A big lit projection display in the Great Hall introducing the significance of the commandery, plus the story of the visit of US Presidents John Adams and Thomas Jefferson in rooms overlooking Fort Royal Park is also included. A Civil War study centre featuring a library, research and volunteer facilities, a new courtyard entrance, more merchandise in the shop and a bigger reception area are also planned. The huge investment includes a £96,000 Heritage Lottery Fund grant with the aim of boosting yearly visitor numbers by 20% on top of the current 19-20,000 average. The work is expected to be finished in May and the site is still open in the meantime. Proposals for two further phases of work are being considered but will likely need commercial backing. It would include a new cafe and exhibition space. This article is about the boundary changes proposed for Worcestershire. Controversial boundary changes to MPs' seats in Worcestershire have gone out for a second consultation, bringing this significant shake-up closer. A first round of public feedback has been staged on the proposals with a deluge of views handed to independent assessors. It comes as 1. Senior Labour and Green politicians in Worcester are making a concerted bid to get the city city's changes blocked, calling it unfair. 2. People in Droitwich have hit out at their town being handed to Bromsgrove's <coughs> MP saying they feel much closer ties with South Worcestershire. And three, residents in Malvern have criticised a suggestion its West Worcestershire seat should be lumped in with Ledbury, calling it a head-scratcher. 
As the Worcester News first revealed back in September, all six county constituencies are due changes under a boundary commission plan to reduce the number of MPs nationally from 650 to 600 and produce similar voter numbers in each. Worcester will be extended to include Tory areas of Drakesborough, Alton, Norton and Whittington. Mid Worcestershire will be replaced by a new seat called Evesham and South Warwickshire, taking in areas as diverse as Pershaw and Stratford-upon-Avon and Droitwich will be handed to Bromsgrove. In Worcester, 30 written comments have been made, mainly against it. Former Labour City MP Mike Foster was among those hitting out, calling it a political campaign to damage his party. There were 17 comments on the Malvern and Ledbury seat, including critical remarks from the public claiming people in Herefordshire are different. The Evesham and South Warwickshire seat attracted 45 comments amid widespread concern over Droitwich going to Bromsgrove. A new consultation runs until March 27. Health centre staff are urging women to donate their un- unwanted underwear as part of a brilliant bra-raising, fundraising appeal for Worcestershire's breast unit. Second-hand bras of all types, colours and sizes can be deposited at the bra bank at the Morven Health Centre in Pickersley Road, Morven. All the bras will then be sent to the Worcestershire Breast Unit Haven at Worcester Royal Hospital in Worcester. But thousands of lacy garments are needed to make a difference, with one kilogram's worth of bras equating to one pound in funding. And it will take one tonne of bras, approximately 13,000 items, to raise £1,000 for the unit. Jane Wells Spittle, nurse practitioner at the health centre, said, I saw it on Facebook and I thought, this is something I could get involved with and support. Being a nurse and working with women's health, I thought it was an ideal opportunity to do something. We have all got bras in our drawers. All I really want is ladies to bring in their unwanted bras, all sizes, all shapes. The Breast Unit is a charity which provides clinical services, assistance with breast care needs and complementary therapies over and above what the NHS can offer. The appeal has generated considerable interest already and businesses, clubs, retailers and offices around the county are putting bra banks in their premises for staff, colleagues, customers and visitors to make donations. Alexandra Craigie, fundraising manager, said We are asking for donations of all type and sizes of bra. It really doesn't matter how old the style or colour What is important is that each bra donated has a fundraising value for the work we do here at the unit. If you think that your female staff and customers would be interested in donating, please let us know and we can deliver bins to you. Women women can also bag up their bras and take them into the Worcestershire Breast Unit on the Worcestershire Royal Hospital site. A picture taken in historic Croom Park by a local photographer is to be included in the National Trust Handbook, which is sent to more than 7.5 million of the Trust's members. The stunning photograph taken last summer by Croom resident John Hubble shows the park's Chinese bridge with sunbeams streaming through the trees. 
Mr. Hubble entered the picture into the National Trust's photo competition, which attracted more than 8,000 entries and was sponsored by Panasonic. His photograph was chosen by a panel of five judges, including television presenter Julia Bradbury and professional photographer Andrew Butler. They were impressed by the fairy tale quality of the image, with its play of light and shadow along with the mistiness beyond. Mr. Hubble said, I am an opportunist photographer, and this picture was taken on a morning dog walk in Croom Parkland. I tried to create images that I find appealing in the hope that others might like them too. As tripods are not compatible with dog walking, most of my photographs are taken by handheld cameras. In the winter, when light is more limited, I mainly take landscapes using a wide-angle lens. In the summer, I tend to use a longer lens to take wildlife photographs, or to get, although, as in this case, a longer lens offer a different perspective on the landscape. He won a Panasonic Lumix DMC FZ330, which he says he is already putting to good use. And this is another um, story about Croom Park. It's um, about healthy walking. More than 40 people took part in the first Walking for Health event at Croom Park. The free health walk was on Monday morning, taking walks around the beautiful grounds designed by Capability Brown. The Walking for Health group was set up by Malvern Hills District Council and is supported by the National Trust as part of the National Walking for Health scheme. Walk leader Rachel Van said, We had an amazing response to our first health walk and we ended up walking for just over an hour, clocking up 2.75 miles. The group offers low impact exercise, which is ideal if you have problems with your health or have had problems in the past. The next walk will take place on Monday, March the 27th at 10.15am and will have three ability groups. Contact rachel.van at morvanhills.gov.uk to book a place or for more details. This next article is a tongue-in-cheek article titled Dummy's Hands Taken from Pub. Hands belonging to a gay mannequin called Josh have been taken from a city bar. Lee Winters, landlord of the flag in Lowesmore, Worcester, is appealing for the return of the body parts after they disappeared at the weekend. He has released CCTV footage of three women he believes may know the whereabouts of the missing appendages on the bar's Facebook page. Josh, the mannequin, is a favourite fixture at the bar with drinkers who enjoy dressing him up and taking selfies with him, which cost and he cost almost two hundred pound. Mister Winters said, "We love a laugh and a joke at the bar, but this is a bit of a handful to cope with." Poor Josh has been left unable to drink his tea or even wave to customers. In the past, Josh has been given hats, lipstick, t-shirts, sunglasses, kisses, and hugs. He's loved that much. Posing for risque pictures with Josh's detached arm, the trio were filmed on one of the venue's 48 CCTV cameras in the early hours of Saturday morning. Mr Winters said he will contact police if they are not returned by the weekend.
The Flag is an LGBT venue and has been running for more than 10 years. Mr Winters is asking anyone who knows the whereabouts of the hands to contact the bar in person. Worried people from Worcestershire have sought a charity's help to tackle their addiction to child porn. Figures show 171 people from Worcestershire sought a charity's help to stop online viewing of indecent images of children last year. Most of these people, 89, were from Worcester, 25 from Redditch and 57 from other parts of the county. They visited the Stop It Now Get Help website run by charity the Lucy Faithful Foundation in the last 12 months to access help to stop either their own viewing of online sexual images of children or that of a loved one. The figure also re- figures also reveal that 16 men from Worcestershire called the confidential Stop It Now helpline over the same period to get help with nine of those calls from people concerned about someone else's online behaviour. Chris Singer, Assistant Chief Constable Protective Services for West Mercia and Warwickshire Police, said, Changing offending behaviour is a critical part of efforts to reduce the sexual exploitation of children and Stop It Now has proved to be a very effective tool to help offenders and potential offenders step away from the path that they are on and gain access to the help that they need to address their behaviours. The fact that other people can also use the service where they have concerns helping to create an environment where the safety of children is the primary concern and where those who are having having inappropriate thoughts about sexual behaviour with children can be afforded the opportunity to change. We welcome this work, which can help to change lives for the better and crucially keep children safe. The 16 calls to the Stop It Now helpline from Worcestershire in 2016 make up 1% of the 1,504 calls received from across the UK. Police say online viewing and sharing of indecent images of children is on the rise in the UK. In 2013, the Child Exploitation and Online Protection Centre estimated that as many as 50,000 individuals in the UK were involved in downloading or sharing sexual images of children. But in a BBC TV interview in October 2016, National Police Chief's Council lead for child protection, Chief Constable Simon Bailey, said that at least 100,000 people in the UK were now regularly viewing online sexual images of children. The Stop It Now website can be accessed at gethelp.stopitnow.org.uk. It offers self-help tools and resources to help users address their behaviour, as well as information and support to partners and friends of people arrested for or suspected of accessing online child abuse images. An empty block of student flats in Worcester is going to be revamped, despite concern it will cause the neighbourhood problems. A six-bed HMO, which is a house of multiple occupation, at 32 to 36 Bransford Road in St John's, is going to get an upgrade after councillors voted it through. But the move, which has been approved by Worcester County Council's planning committee, 
was almost scrapped after a long debate into the impact on the area. Developer Mincham Properties said the site was in a poor condition, even calling it an eyesore, and was seeking to get a two-storey extension, so it has ten beds. Two St John's councillors called it significant overdevelopment and tried to get it blocked, but the vote went against them 7-3. to Councillor Chris Crawth- Cawthorn, speaking during a planning committee meeting, said it's highly unsatisfactory. There are already a lot of HMOs in the area, including one right opposite, which is empty. It's naive to say there are no parking problems in this area. Graham Road and the other roads leading to it have been a nightmare for years. People can't get out of their drives. Cars are parked on both sides of the road. If this isn't a description of a problem parking area, I don't know what is. Councillor Richard Udall, who also represents St John, said, It will be significant overdevelopment of the site. It will damage the residential amenity of this community, which is an historic part of St John's. A forthcoming election candidate for Mays County Council elections, Labour activist Dan Dalton, also spoke at the meeting to try and get it blocked, saying the issue had been raised with him while door-knocking. But the committee was won over by the argument that Mincham Properties intends to provide six parking spaces around the back of the property and revamp the building to make it more attractive to working professionals. Councillor Paul Denham said, I can't see a good planning argument against this. He said many people in HMO-style properties cannot afford cars and pointed to extra spacing being provided anyway before a majority of councillors voted it through. Health chiefs are pushing ahead with plans to restrict hip and knee operations despite huge opposition in a survey of local patients. Clinical commissioning groups, or CCGs, in Worcestershire plan to cut the number of people eligible for hip replacements by 12% and knee replacements by 19% to cut costs and save about £2 million a year. The plans will mean only the most severe cases where pain interferes with daily life and ability to sleep will be eligible, with Obese people also likely to have to lose weight before being eligible for an op. The Royal College of Surgeons has already slammed the proposals and now a survey of almost 4,500 people in Worcestershire has revealed huge opposition. Some 76% of those who filled out online and paper surveys were also against the proposal, while 83% of those interviewed face-to-face said they opposed it. The Worcestershire CCGs insist they are not preventing access to hip or knee replacements, but ensuring that referrals are appropriate. But Peter Pinfield, chairman of the patient watchdog Health Watch Worcestershire, said, People said, don't touch that, and they have done the opposite. We are not denying they have difficulty with the budget. There might be more changes that would not require reduction in hip and knee operations. I want to see a proper open debate involving patients. Until they do that, I have no confidence in it. It goes directly against the survey findings. It's a bit naughty. A spokesman for the CCG said, 
The revision to the clinical commissioning policy is designed to ensure that any referrals are always appropriate and that due consideration is given to alternatives to major surgery, such as pain relief and physiotherapy. There's also an exception procedure within the policy whereby anybody who isn't deemed eligible for surgery can still come through a funding request process for their treatment. They added that a scoring system is used as a guide, but that decision to operate is made between the surgeon, patient and GP. The survey commissioned by the CCGs shows proposals related to cataract surgery for people with mild sight difficulties and to physiotherapy for minor injuries are also areas of concern. This story is a follow-on about the nurses and their problems with parking at the hospital. Residents have rallied in support of nurses who have lost the right to park at Worcestershire Royal Hospital, offering them their own driveways to leave their cars instead. We have reported how many nurses have lost their permits to park at the overcrowded hospital, leaving them with no choice but to try and park on residential streets nearby. Our story prompted a swell of support for the nurses and Worcestershire Acute Trust, which runs the hospital, now says it is revising its parking policy and that clinical staff will be prioritised as part of the changes. In the meantime, kind-hearted residents have come forward offering the hospital staff somewhere to park. Susan Searle of Ripon Road in Worcester has offered her driveway to staff for free. Miss Searle, 56, who used to be a cleaner at the hospital, said, I have a driveway for up to three cars. It's just sitting there empty. If I can help the nurses out, then great. They are there for us. At least I can help two or three out. The hospital should put on parking, but I know what it's like with patients and visitors. But priority should be given to staff. The the NHS is in a bad way, and whatever we can will help out. Sorry. And whatever we can will help it. Another resident, Shelley James of Oaklands, has offered her driveway for parking. We have a double drive. My husband works full time and I work part time, so there's always one space available, she said. One of the nurses who originally spoke out about losing her right to park at the hospital has also now found a local driveway. I'd like to really thank the Worcester News for supporting the nurses in this, she said. We all just desperately want to be able to get to work on time to look after the people of Worcestershire while maintaining our own family lives. A spokesman for the Acute Trust said it is currently revising the parking policy. Clinical staff will be priorities and the Trust has already agreed that nurses working 12-hour shifts will automatically be able to park on site. A pub, local pub is back in business. A well-known city pub has reopened under new owners. The Paul Pry in the Butts, Worcester, closed its doors in July last year with the recent economic climate cited for the decision. But the 200-year-old pub is now back in business, reopening yesterday, that was on Friday of last week, after being taken over by the Pope family, who own Pope's Brewery Company in Blackpool. 
They are planning to brew their own ales on site, while a restaurant area will open at the pub next Friday, March the 3rd. Co-owner Alex Pope said, We want to renew the old traditions of pubs in Worcester. This is one of the oldest fit-for-purpose pubs in Worcester. Our past is in brewing beer, particularly ales, so that will be our main focus, although we will cater for everyone. We would like to brew as much as we can on site, at first just for ourselves, but we hope to offer takeaway sales in the future. The pub previously shut down after being open for just six months, with its then owners blaming the economy. But Mr Pope believes that the more youthful look he hopes to create at the Grade 2 listed building will make the pub a success this time around. The Popes who sponsored the Worcester Beer Festival two years ago have kept the old-fashioned bar area and a vinyl station. And after opening at 4pm yesterday, they did not have to wait long for the punters to start coming in. One of the first was Mike Williams, who said, We wanted to be the first customers, but we were unfortunately beaten. In the past, we have been here quite often, and it was so sad to see it shut. It is a really good pub, and to see it reopened again, especially under local owners like the Pope family, is great. The Pope secured the lease two weeks ago after approaching the landlord of the pub just before Christmas. Mr Pope added, it has been a lot of hard work to get things ready for today. I only slept for two hours last night. In recent years, the Paul Pry has changed hands several times and has gone through extended periods of closure. And here's a what's on for this weekend. Hundreds of unusual plants from all over the world will go on show this weekend. Britain's alpine plant growers will assemble in Pershaw on Saturday and there will be thousands of hard-to-find plants for sale. The plant sale and flower show is organised by the Alpine Garden Society, the AGS, and will take place at Pershaw College from 10am until 3.30pm. Christine McGregor, director of AGS, said, There will be hundreds of specimen plants on show and the chance to buy a superb range of plants for the garden, many of which are not available in garden centres. The Alpine Garden Society, which has thousands of members all over the world, is a regular exhibitor at the Chelsea Flower Show and has won 20 gold medals over the years. The Pershore event is one of 22 shows that the Society is organising this year around the UK and Ireland. Ms McGregor added, It's not just Alpines that will be on show or on sale. Our members take a great interest in all sorts of plants, such as woodland plants, hardy orchids, bulbs, dwarf conifers, ferns, shrubs and perennials. There will be experts on hand to answer questions about how to grow these plants and a wild range of gardening and plant books for sale. On the same day, the one-acre garden alongside the college will be open to the public. A second Alpine Garden Society show will be held at Pershaw College on Saturday, July the 1st. For more information, go to alpinegardensociety.net. And that nearly brings us to the end of this week's um, talking newspapers. Um, the lighting up time is 19.16 to 6.31. We have one birthday, which is uh, tomorrow, so very many happy returns to Stanley Burden. 
Um, the emergency phone number for out-of-hours medical assistance from 6 p.m. to 8 a.m. is 0300-123-3211. And the NHS number for non-emergency help is 111. Malvern Theatres' is, telephone number is 01684-892277. Worcester Live, which is 611429, covers the Swan and Huntington Hall. Worcester Hub number for council matters is 765765 or 722233. Crime Stoppers telephone number is 0800-555-111. Our phone number is 01905-767766. Our address is 11 Wilds Lane, Worcester, WR51DA. Our website address is www forward slash http dot worcestertalkingnews.org.uk. So please um, bear in mind that we greatly value your feedback, your likes or dislikes, or any changes you may like um, made on our talking newspapers. And we wish you all a very happy week.